Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host. We are in the post-festive of a fantastic, incredible, glorious feast day. The greatest one, the Virgin Mary, her dormition, her assumption into heaven, body and soul, totally intact. In the West, they call it the assumption of the Virgin Mary. In the East, they call it the dormition, which is a word which refers to sleep, like dormire in Latin or Italian, dormire, or dorm, where we get dormitory. What do you do in a dormitory? You sleep, or dormint. So, it refers to a falling asleep rather than death, meaning that her way of death, which the East always believed was in fact a death, but not like we know it, a death that would have been more like Adam and Eve would have experienced, and you and I, and all humanity, had there not been sin. It would have been a beautiful, glorious passing into the next life, body and soul together and gloriously transfigured. This is what we see in the Virgin Mary in her passing into the next life. And we say in our prayers that as she went into the next life, she passed through the air as though sanctifying the air with her spiritualized, holy body and soul all intact. She was the Virgin Mary, which virginal means integrated. It it doesn't mean just you don't have sexual activity or sexual intercourse. Virginal means together, oneness, integrity. And that's what she was. She remained integrated. She remained oneness throughout her life because of her purity and her oneness with God, her oneness with the will of God. So this is a glorious feast day. In our church, we blessed flowers and herbs and we brought them in because it's the harvest season. We always unite the liturgy with the environment because that's that sacramental liturgical worldview that is so much the heart of Eastern spirituality. It is of Catholic spirituality, but very much so in a particular way in the Eastern churches, where we're always uniting nature and the liturgy together. They become one and the same. And so we bring things in from the outdoors and the earth, our fruits, like on the Feast of the Transfiguration, which we had last week. Feast of the Transfiguration, we bless fruits. 
And on the Feast of the Door Mission, we bless flowers. Mindful of the Virgin Mary as well. We bring them back in our home, and they become reminders, sacramentals. They, they become what we call part of the domestic church. And I want to offer a few things about the domestic church to you today, especially in light of what's happening in our world today. I can speak about all the darkness. We can analyze it, and it's very obvious. It may not be obvious to everyone what is actually happening, where it's all coming from. But it is a cosmic battle that is going on, a cosmic battle that has been since before time between Lucifer and God, starting in heaven, where Lucifer rebelled against God and fell out of heaven, was cast out by St. Michael into what we know today as hell. He brought many of his minions with him. They rebelled against God. And ever since then, there has been this cosmic battle between evil, Lucifer, the father of lies, Satan, the deceiver, he has all kinds of bad names. The, the battle between him and his minions and God. And we're seeing that manifested, though, in, or I might say incarnated, in human experience through ideologies, through writing, civil unrest, hate, division, etc. We see it. We have to know ultimately what it's from. But we focus today on antidotes for that. How do we get through it? How do we live it? How do we still thrive amidst this? And we must be vigilant. This is what we pray for in the liturgy of the Byzantine Church during the Eucharistic prayer. We pray for the spirit of vigilance, which means we're on our toes to see evil, recognize it, name a demon, but also to see God and the way to the light, the light in the darkness. So how do we be vigilant and be children of light? Because ultimately that's what we are. Through it all, we're children of joy, children of hope, as hard as that is. So what I want to do is to look at marriage and family a bit from the Eastern perspective, because that is what is ultimately under assault here. That and the church, they all go together. You see, evil seeks to destroy civilization and the things that are related to God's order of creation, such as marriage and family. See, marriage and family is our participation in the very life of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the Byzantine ceremony of marriage, the priest leads the couple into the church at the beginning of the ceremony. The custom of the father giving away the bride is not part of the ritual in the Byzantine rite. Now, because it's such a strong and endearing tradition in many cultures, including our own, as priests, we usually strike some kind of pastoral balance about that. We want to preserve the integrity of the liturgy, the ritual, but also not make too big a deal or create too big a fight against something that has become a venerable and dear tradition in our culture. So we have to reach a certain balance. The reason why we want to maintain the idea of the bride and groom being escorted into the church at the beginning of the service is something that can actually be very relevant today. Because what that is saying, and remember, in the liturgy, in the ritual, the ritual is not just empty symbolism or superficial symbolism. The ritual immerses us in the reality. So what is the reality? The reality, especially as emphasized in the Eastern churches of marriage, is that this couple's relationship is not just something between them. It is that, but it is something that is being immersed, connected, ratified, enhanced, glorified, divinized in God, in the life of the Trinity, through the life of the church. See, this always, therefore, and should, if the couple remembers their 
actual ceremony of Byzantine church, this should actually remind the couple at all times that there is something that is overarching their relationship. That if things go well or if they have difficulties down the line in marriage, there is something that still says, you work this out. You're committed to this. There's something greater than just what's going on between the two of you. There is an overarching dynamic here that you defer to, and that is the commitment, the sacrament of marriage, the entrance that you two made into the very life of the Trinity and into the life of the church by means of your vows, by means of the ritual of marriage. This is why it happens in a church, in a church ceremony. That's the only kind of marriage that the church recognizes because you take the couple and their relationship and you enter it into, raise it to this holier sacramental dimension. So there's a transformation going on. There's a participation going on. There's a divinization, a theosis of that relationship. And that's why the priest then escorts the couple into, notice I say into the church, into the ceremony, into the life of the Trinity by way of the ceremony. It also says that is the church that blesses that marriage, that basically it is the church to which marriage has been entrusted by God. It is a church that says you are married, not just the two of you. The church bestows that upon the couple together with the couple's commitment. In the Western church, there's a strong emphasis of a covenant between the couple, and that's in the Eastern church as well. But the stronger emphasis, and of course, that's always a difference between East and West, it's a matter of emphasis, not so much a doctrine or dogma per se. It is a difference of emphasis. The emphasis in the East, although it includes covenant, the emphasis is in this bestowal of the blessing of the church on the couple's relationship. That is the church that unites them, the blessing of the priest, because that is how that couple's relationship is then immersed in the life of God. Can you imagine? What a lofty thing. That's why the church takes it so seriously. The scriptures and the church, if you really look at the soul of the church, you look at the very heart of the church's theology on marriage, and coming from especially the writings of St. Paul in 1 Corinthians, it's really about being married once and for all a commitment in which the couple is united forever. That's right. See, we don't say in the Eastern churches, till death do you part. We say in so many words, till death unite you forever. Because if you're being united in God, God is the God of the living, not of the dead. He's the God of both sides of, of eternity and this life. So we connect with God, whether in this life or the next. We connect with those in the next life. For instance, the saints, people we pray to and with. And so when we are united in God, as a couple is in a sacramental marriage, then that becomes eternal, that you're united forever. However, put a little asterisk there, that you're united in a way that is a little different than on earth. This is where we have a parallel to the theology in the West that says, till death do you part, and after death you can be remarried again. In the East, it is death unites you forever, however, not in the way that you were united on earth. On earth, your marriage was exclusive. The union was between husband and wife, period, and with, of course, with God and the church. In the next life, 
you are still married to each other by virtue of the fact that we all become that one body of Christ together. So in a sense, we become married to everyone, including our spouse. So it's an inclusive kind of marriage, whereas on earth, on this side of eternity, it's an exclusive. So that's the difference. So in a sense, the Western theology and the Eastern theology, again, as always, they arrive basically at the same point. They just get there in different ways, which is part of the beauty of the church, the complementarity of the church. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how the liturgy, especially with marriage and family, can fortify and strengthen us during this time of great stress upon marriage and family. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Hi, I'm Bishop Earl Boyer for WJKNAM and W227BYFM, Good Shepherd Catholic Radio in Jackson, Michigan, and you're listening to Light of the East. Why does he have to watch every single bowl game this week? Right, ladies? This is Father Thomas J. Loy with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Men love football for the same reason they love to make love, become a father. Seek adventure, experience mystery, and see beauty. For men, football is an experience of the spouse of mystery through a sport. Mystically speaking, the point of football is to plant the seed in the end zone. The coveted end zone can only be approached with the greatest attentiveness and finesse. A past reception becomes the conception of six new points, and the team celebrates their fruitfulness. So remember, ladies, football for him is an experience of the very dynamics contained in the spouse of mystery. And gentlemen... Don't forget where your real experience of the spouse of mystery is found. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Leo, your host, trying to be a bit of a light for you in this darkness in our world today. Let's face it, let's be honest about it. However, we are children of the light. Christ is life and light. 
He is the light of the world. and We are united with Christ, especially in the Eucharist, in the life of the church. So we're trying to make that work for us. I like to say, make God work for you. Make your faith work for you. Yeah, really make it relevant. Put it into good use, into practice. Not just practice it, put it into practice. And that's what we're doing to help to fortify you in marriage and family at a time when it's being attacked perhaps more than ever before in history. I'm mentioning about the liturgy, the rite of marriage itself in the Eastern churches, how it actually can fortify the marriage by understanding its ritual, the why behind it. And we said that the ritual immerses the couple into the life of the Trinity through the life of the church. That's why the priest walks the couple down the aisle, the beginning of the liturgy. Now, some of you may ask, well, what about my father walking me down? Some of you brides may ask that, or maybe you're wondering about that for your daughters if they have a wedding coming up. Well, as I mentioned before, there's always a pastoral compromise that can be gained in that situation. What I usually do is, if the father insists on it, sometimes fathers don't. Sometimes the couple just says, oh, we'll just do it the Byzantine way, father. And sometimes fathers are very insistent or the bride is insistent. She wants her father to give her away. And so, okay. So what we do is I generally compromise. I say, okay, walk halfway down the aisle and I'll take you the rest of the way. That way it's win-win. Usually they agree to that. And Again, there's a reason for the ritual that actually helps the marriage if the couple keeps it in mind and understands it. Another aspect that helps to fortify the marriage from the Eastern spirituality is what I'm going to call, and you've heard this before, I can't emphasize it enough, the domestic church. The domestic church is where we take that which is about church, liturgy and prayer, sacramentality, and even monasticism, you know, the real soul and essence of the church. We take that, and I'm going to use the term stretch it. We stretch it into our lives. In other words, it's not just, well, we got married in church, we walk out of church, and that doesn't have a whole lot of connection with what goes on afterwards, from the wedding reception to the honeymoon to life in the household, the children, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, maybe a couple could go to church after they're married, yes, but they need to have an even greater connection with church. They need to take the church with them. Imagine a bride with a long train on her bridal gown. Imagine attached to that train as she walks out of the church, processes out after her wedding. Imagine the church being attached to that train. So she's actually like pulling the church with her into her life and into her household, into the life of her marriage and into her very household. What I mean by that in the specifics is, well, I want to let you in on an interesting fact. In the Russian tradition, especially the Russian Orthodox tradition and Eastern tradition, the time of engagement was considered to be like a monastic novitiate. And when the couple got married, they actually went off to a monastery for the first week. Oh, yes. As the great Russian theologian Paul Evdokimov says, they prepared themselves for their nuptial priesthood. Nuptial priesthood. How do we combine nuptials, spousal, marriage, and priesthood in the same breath and as applied to a married couple? Well, monasticism, Christ, priesthood has to be at the very heart of a marriage for it to work well. What do I mean by that? I mean the spirit of being singularly focused on Christ as an individual's man and woman, husband and wife, but also as a couple and eventually as a household with children. It also means offering, that the couple understands that getting married is a way of making that, as St. John Paul II would call it, that total gift of self. That's self-sacrificial, an oblation. 
a sacrifice, just like Christ, for a higher order. The husband and wife offer themselves to each other so as to help each other divinize and eventually gain eternal life in heaven forever. So that's all a very priestly function. And it's also monastic because it involves sacrifice, sacrifice in the sense of self-discipline, but also sacrifice in his priestly sense of offering oneself. So there's two forms of the sacrifice. One is sacrificing yourself in terms of self-discipline, in other words, dying to self, making it about the other, being patient, going to confession, trying to perfect yourself for your own salvation and that of your spouse. And then the other sacrifice is just the fact that you're making that total, free, faithful, full, and fruitful gift of self to the other. So those things are monastic and priestly. So it would make total sense for a couple not to just go off for a wild time somewhere. I mean, it's okay, but it would make more sense drawing from the Eastern, the Russian tradition of going to a monastery for a week, believe it or not. Yeah, that's right and immersing yourself in the holiness of what you have just been immersed in through your wedding ceremony, the holiness, the sacramentality, the priestly monastic dimensions of marriage. Can you imagine if marriages actually really practice this today? And what, what a gem, what a jewel, what a rich genius the Eastern Church is that if it was employed again, if it was really lived again, how much stronger marriages would be, and then therefore, how much stronger family would be. And from family, how much stronger society would be, how much holier the church would be. Everything emanates from marriage and family. Society, civilization goes by way of the family, and the family goes by way of marriage. So it all gets closer and closer. The core, the epicenter, the essence is marriage. The bedroom between a husband and wife, the bedroom is the sanctuary of the human race, of civilization, and woman's womb is its tabernacle. This is why in the church, the teachings are so strong and clear about keeping the tabernacle and the bedroom sanctified, as we even read about in St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews, keeping the marriage bed undefiled. It's the parallel to what we see in the liturgy, the altar, the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle, the holies of the Holy of Holies, right there in the altar in the Eastern churches, the body and blood of Christ, the bridegroom of the church there in the bridal chamber of the altar of the sanctuary, where the priest goes on behalf of the bride. And the union between the bridegroom and the bride, the mystical union, is consummated in the Eucharist. See, marriage is a parallel to that. Marriage finds its identity in that. So this is why it has to have these elements of the priestly and the monastic, the sacred, and why the church is so clear and so uncompromising on keeping the marriage bed undefiled. And from there, the household, and from there, the world, civilization, undefiled. It all starts a marriage. And marriage can become holy by this domestic church idea. Again, attaching the church to the train of that bride as she walks out. She takes the church with her into her home, into her very bedroom, into the household. Another aspect of the domestic church is to have in the household both a rhythm, an ambiance, and a practice of church. In the Eastern churches, it's very, very common 
And we teach our children this growing up in their catechism classes to have what we call an icon corner, a place of prayer where the whole family can gather, preferably before everybody goes out the door in the morning and preferably in the evening when hopefully everybody is back. Well, it's hard to be in one place at the same time in households nowadays, which is part of the problem. See, that goes against the domestic church. The domestic church brings the family back together. It's an extension of the Eucharist, right? Many becoming one whilst being who they are as individuals. Today, it's too scattered. We don't become one. We're all individuals going this way and that. From soccer to dancing to meetings to clubs to organizations, they're all on the fly. The domestic church, the liturgy tells us, especially for the Eucharist, come together. And so we do that at, at, at home. We come together at the icon corner. And we do the prayers, the divine office, or pieces of that, of that divine office. Normally the father would give a blessing to the children and to the wife as everybody goes on their way. In the household should be not only the icon corner, but icons in each room. Even burn a little incense from time to time. It's okay. Have liturgical music playing. Learn some songs. Gather around the family table. Read the scripture or read a book from one of the great spiritual masters. Have everybody eat in silence. So just for a few minutes, then have a what I call God talk. Reflect on what was read. Parents can ask the children or ask one another, how did you experience God today? And let that be the conversation of dinner, at least for a few minutes. And then other things can be talked about. But this is one of the many ways in which we can actually stretch the church into the marriage and household of families. And believe me, if you do that, you're going to be very strong against the darkness that is pressing in on marriage and family today. It'll be like a bulwark, a fortress for you. And you can remain strong and joyful and hopeful. You can be that light in the darkness. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. News from around the world as it happens. Religious liberty, immigration, prayer, plus daily reports from the White House, Capitol Hill, and Rome. Get the Catholic News perspective on the things that impact your life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.